Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter... Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn and joining me, as always, firstly, is football journalist and contributor to Forbes magazine, Chris Williams. Chris, how you doing? Very good. Thanks, Bryce. You um, caught me off guard then. I thought we were going to Manning first. <laughs> but yeah, very well, thanks. <laughs> busy week. Um, and yeah, busy weekend to come. So yeah, lots of football going on. Uh, it's the way we like it. But yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I thought I'd mix it up this uh, this weekend. Go to go to you first. I was feeling a little bit bad though. I normally go to Manu first. So um, yeah, sorry about the surprise. But yes, very good. I think we've got plenty to talk about uh, on and off the field uh, this week. Um, it seems like I say that plenty of weeks, so isn't it? So um, yes, joining Chris and I. Um, I'm sure you can probably guess who it is. Now, it's the Football Grad Network um, creator and contributor to Forbes and Transfer Market, Manu Vets. Manu, how are you doing? Yeah, I, I'm doing all right. I'm recovered, um, Bryce. I did the first deadline day window um, over on Transfer Market as part of the newsroom there. And wow, I don't think I've ever written as much as I did that day. It, it was just nuts um we had so many so many transfers go through or fall through at the last moment and um being part of that action was was a lot of fun but it was also insane so i've recovered from that i've taken most of the weekend off just a little bit of work a little bit cleaning up on the pages and i have to tell you it was it was very much needed but how are you yeah, not too bad. Um, enjoying football, I suppose, and enjoying that we can uh, get to concentrate a little bit more on the on-field stuff now that the uh, transfer window is shut. But I, I feel that you know we're going to have to touch on that a little bit. And Manu, I, I think we'll go back to you. And we need to talk about Hertha Berlin. It just seemed like uh, at one stage they were picking up players left right and center um a massive window for them you were saying just uh, off air that it's the biggest uh, window for them ever before but also you're the biggest for any club in europe it had to have spent the most um of any club in europe during the winter transfer window and i guess as a result the most of any club in in the world periods they're the biggest spender and um, 81 million euros is, 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 a, is a lot of money for a club like Hertha and that's just what they spent in the winter window they, they spend a lot of money in the summer as well um, you know we, we have all the numbers over on Transfermarkt and um, we, we did a piece on it actually as well and yeah seeing the, the amount of spending 
for a club like Hertha, I think kind of threw us a little bit off guard, has thrown a lot of people off guard a little bit. Um, following the club, there was a lot of, I got a lot of comments um, on how, where did Hertha all of a sudden get this money from, right? Because although they're in the German capital, they are not really known for a club that spends this much money. And um, luckily, both Chris and I have actually done articles on this. Um, I wrote an article in the summer on uh, Hertha, the big city club, um, over on Forbes, sort of un outlining the investment made by the investor last Windhorst. Um, he bought an overall 49.9% um, of the club for a package of 250 million euros. Now, of course, a lot of people will say, well, is, isn't that money gone now? Um, it appears that Windhorst is willing to invest even more money into the club and keep the spending going because the vision is to create a big city club. And I know, Chris, you done a piece on uh, Jürgen Klinsmann basically coming in in the, in the winter um, trying to rescue this investment because it looked like very much they were going, they were looking down the barrels of area relegation, right? And um, it, this newest wave of investment very much has Klinsmann's writing on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That that piece I did is also over on Forbes and it sort of explains why Jürgen Klinsmann was brought in because of how much money Windhorst had invested in and, and at the time how much he was looking to increase his um, overall percentage stake in the club and, and that would of course involve another payment for that but yeah he's sinking a lot of money in and um Hertha Berlin are going places I, I do believe under not just under Klinsman obviously he will move we think back into the boardroom where he's come from he, he'll swap his tracksuit for a normal suit which is what he did the other way around and when I've I've um, spent time next to him in, in the Olympic Stadion and seen his press conferences etc that's very much the feel I get but um, the, the players that they brought in is all about creating a strong team. And if you look at where they are currently, they're, they're you know, mid-table, um, towards more down the bottom end of that mid-table. But you, you would think that they're they're pretty much safe at the moment. So can they get into Europe's probably the, the key aspect for them now, um, which is what they'll need to do with this investment. They'll need to see some sort of, of comeback on that. But it's all geared up for this new stadium. I mean, I love the Olympic Stadium. I think last time I was there two weeks ago, I spoke to you, Manu, and said it's probably one of my favourite places to watch football because when it's packed, like it was whenever I've seen Dortmund um, and Bayern play there against Hertha, it is packed. It's like, you know, what, 80,000 people, maybe even 90,000 at a push. Um, it has the, the feeling of a final, and that's why I like it. But day-to-day, week-to-week, it's far too big for Hertha. And, you know, me and you, Manu, last time we were in Berlin together, we saw the plans for that stadium, where it would be in relation to the current stadium and with the the rest of the plot of land there. And, and that's what they desperately need. And should they do that, Hertha Berlin could find themselves fighting for, I wouldn't say a top four place, but certainly uh, one of the clubs that are perennially in, in the top six. Yeah, well, obviously um, exciting times for Hertha coming up and uh, this was a very exciting transfer window for them. Uh, Manu, though, if, if we talk about the players that they have brought in, uh, how do you rate their signings? Um, you know, so, Some um, rather recognisable, uh, as in uh, you know, Aska Seabard you know, from Stuttgart, someone that we're more familiar with, you know, he'll certainly give them a bit more bite, but uh, some names that we're not so used to. Well, I, th I think we most people know um, Christoph Piotek, the the striker that they brought in from Milan, right? I think that is that was probably the one that surprised people the most. Um, I think that when you look at his 
one year at Milan because Milan signed him last January after he had a very, very, very successful time in Genoa and then continued to, to score quite a lot of goals for, for Milan last year. He won actually the Serie A Golden Boot. And then um, Milan is, is an odd one. It's a club that very much feels like they're in transition. They got banned from UEFA for breaches of financial fair play. Their Chinese owner actually, in fact, lost the club to an American hedge fund investor that took the club over after you know they find that they, they he wasn't able to to pay um, the final installment on on owning the club, and then it, the club automatically fell to this um, hedge fund investor. They, they were actually in the news today because they were linked with Ralf Rangnick, right? So. Um, with that, there's a lot of changes in PureTech, sort of, with all the turnover, they brought in Slatan Ibrahimovic, for example, in the winter. Um, I think they decided that it, they, they wanted to part ways with, with this with the striker. Um, Milan's earned actually less on the transfer than what they paid for. Um, so I guess cut the, cost, cut the costs. I'm curious to see how he does. I mean, PureTech has been ranked very, very highly. Uh, among a lot of pundits he's done very well scoring goals in Italy and I think that um, when you consider that Salomon Kalou and Vedat Ibisevic are getting older they needed to bring in fresh blood up front they then loaned out Davy Selke to Werder should Werder stay in the league then they, they have Werder has to actually buy Davy Selke I guess um, transfer that just never really worked out and then of course um, they brought in two players that we're familiar with Mateus Kuna from RB Leipzig, um, another young striker, and then Santiago Ascasibar. They tried to get uh, Granitschaka from Arsenal. That's a transfer that didn't work out. I actually think Santiago Ascasibar is a good central midfielder. I think it's a player that can do very well for them. And then for next summer, they sign, also signed Lucas Toussaint from Olympique Lyon. Um, another very big transfer, and they loaned him straight back to Lyon, so he will come in next summer. So a lot of movement um, going on at this club, Rice. And some players that, you know, have the potential to do very well in the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, as I said, very exciting times for them. It's, it'll be interesting more, uh, I suppose, next season when they maybe go into the, the the summer break, you know, and they have time with these players, I think. Maybe a few other ins and outs to see where exactly it takes them. Chris, uh, if we talk about the Friday night game, uh, which we've seen Hertha at home to Schalke, that was nil-nil and not exactly the most inspiring of matches. Um, Hertha will be, um, as you said, safe this season, but you'd like to think that uh, performances um, should get a little bit better. Oh, I mean, there's very few times when I watch a Bundesliga match and I think, oh, what a waste of my time that was. But <laughs> that was up there for the Friday night and it normally sets um, a bit of a marker for the rest of the weekend. Thankfully, the weekend was a little different, but you know, it was a dull game um, and maybe a sign of where those two clubs are right at this current moment. Um, obviously, Schalke are doing really well under David Wagner, but there are times when they've failed to hit the highs that they should be doing. And Hertha Berlin, whilst they played really well when I saw them um, against Bayern, there was times when they just fell apart, and that was obviously reflected in that scoreline. So I wasn't overtly surprised. Um, it was such a dull game. But, yeah, they will need to improve. Um whether they improve between now and the end of the season is is, is maybe one for further commentary further on. But right now, at this moment, Jurgen Klinsmann was brought in, so Hertha Berlin don't go down. And as long as that happens, that won't be a problem because we've just talked about the players they've got and the players that they're going to bring in. 
um, players they've managed to put out on loan, whether they come back or not. They will have a really good squad and it'll be up to whoever's in charge fully in the summer um, to have a real good pre-season and then kick on. And I think after that, Hertha will have ambitions of being top seven um, and anything outside of that might be considered a failure, especially if we look at what you know they've spent. Um, I've only got the pounds figures in front of me um, from transfermark.co.uk. And obviously the sum's like 72.9 million. That is a lot of money for any club. Um, let alone Hertha Berlin. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they are this time next year, Bryce. is probably a good indication of, of how successful that investment's been. Yeah, exciting times ahead. And uh, I think we've mentioned plenty of times, don't we, that uh, there needs to be um, an improvement with Hertha and, and really a, a big side in Berlin. No disrespect to Union, but um, they're obviously new to the Bundesliga and it may take a little while for them to get up to those heights that we we expect. But guys, let's talk um, a little bit about uh, Borussia Dortmund. Another fantastic display by them taking on uh, Union Berlin. 5-0 this weekend. Uh, Manu, he, he's done it again, hasn't he? Haaland has scored two more goals. That's seven goals in eight shots. He, he's living up to uh, everyone's expectations and so, so much more. Yeah, I, I, I'm convinced that at this point, Erling Haaland is just a cheat code, you know. <laughs> it <laughs> he definitely seems seem, that way, doesn't he? It just doesn't seem fair. Um, I, I mean, we all knew that this kid is good and we all, it all had it written all over the place that he would come in and have a big impact, but... Price, he's got seven goals in three games in the Bundesliga. That's that's a new record. He's 19. I mean, this doesn't happen any day. It's 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 crazy. And when you when you see the way he plays and the way he fits into the squad, it's almost like this club, this entire team was manufactured for him. And we all were wondering what well, is something missing about Borussia Dortmund, and we all were thinking, okay, well, what is what is the the one piece? And for them to then go and to sign Erling Haaland for twenty million euros, and I might sound a little bit like a broken record, but that that is like a free transfer in today's market. And to just put him into the squad, and it's literally like when you have a full puzzle picture, right? And there is a piece missing and you cannot find the piece. And all of a sudden you like you sit on your couch and the piece just shows up and you, you're like, oh, there it is. And you put it in and boom, it completes the picture. That's what this transfer is like for me. It's unbelievable. And um, when you watch them play, this is the first time in Dortmund's history that they've managed to score five goals in three consecutive Bundesliga games. It's kind of hard to imagine that they will lose another game this year. It's of course it will happen. I mean, we all know football does it doesn't always continue like this way, but it's just it's just unbelievable seeing it at the moment. And it's not just Erling Haaland, it's all the pieces around him. I mean, one player that we need to discuss is Jaden Sancho. He's he's nineteen, he's not turning twenty until March, and he scored his twenty fifth Bundesliga goal over his entire career, right? He's on 13 goals and 12 assists this year. I mean, these are these are numbers that that are just remarkable. And he is 
probably the most sought after attacking midfielder in all of Europe at the moment. And he's playing next to the most sought after striker in all of Europe. It's just, that just doesn't seem fair <laughs> in my books. Anyways, I don't think I can think of a more dangerous front two with just the two of them. But then you add players like Marco Reus, you add Julian Brandt, who was in midfield, who was amazing again. He had two assists. You add players like Torgan Hazard, who had to be on the bench, right? It's the, the, um, the depth is unbelievable. Giovanni Reina, the young US international, is, is developing nicely in the shadow. I mean, we haven't even mentioned him. He's 17 years old. And we don't even have time to mention him because with Jaden Sancho and Haaland, you have two 19 years old that are just unbelievably good. So it's my pieces on it. But I mean, Chris, um, I wrote an article for Forbes this weekend. And I feel like for Jaden Sancho, being taken out of the spotlight actually has been a positive. Yeah, it has most definitely. I think we all saw um, the, the troubles he had back end of last year, international break, returning home, returning back to Germany a little late. Some of the other problems he had, it was just all a feeling that it wasn't going particularly well at Dortmund. But um, yeah, he's been taken out of that spotlight, um, doing no interviews at the moment. I think only with the rights holders. So you might catch him um, speaking to the Bundesliga themselves to um, sport cast after the match but you certainly don't see him in the mix zone I've not seen him in the mix zone for a while um, he's been kept out the the spotlight um, and the only time he's in the limelight is, is when he's playing football which I think when you're a teenager that's the way it should be um, I think now Dortmund are looking to be in this 3-4-3 formation which is suiting them perfectly and if you look at the the midfield that they, they went with. I mean, that is a really talented midfield all the way from Guerrero to Witzel, Brandt and Hakimi. Interesting to read that Rafael Guerrero was linked with Liverpool um, earlier on, but Liverpool didn't make a move for him um, in the summer window because they felt that he he wouldn't come as a, just a pure backup and it wasn't worth spending the money on someone like that to be just a pure backup. Um, I don't think he'd have left um, either personally, I don't think you get someone like Guerrero would go and sit on a bench when he's getting good time at Dortmund. But it shows you the caliber of midfielder they've got. Brandt, we know all about. Um, Hakimi's been talked about a lot, and Axel Witzel's come in and and really changed the league since he's come in, or changed Borussia Dortmund since he's come in from China. And let's not forget now that we're going to add Emre Chan into that mix, um, which I think will allow Lucien Favre to go three four three permanently. Um, with some real good additions. I know um, Emre Chan is a little bit like Julian Weigel wants to play in the middle, but he can play defender and he can play a centre-back a little bit better. And I think that will give Dortmund um, more of a threat and probably more of a threat like certainly what I saw against Cologne where Hummels was able to just bypass the midfield and, and play what I think we're going to call it a quarterback pass into Royce and Sancho and Haaland, etc. I think with Emre Chan there, they also have that. It's almost like Dortmund have got this plan A, which is to play really good football. But if um, if teams want to stop that, if they want to use a low block, then now they have Hummels and Emre Chan to, to be able to launch an attack from the very back. So they become a twofold danger, which is something that Dortmund haven't been for a while. That Emre Chan transfer, Chris, is for me. I mean, I know people are looking at this time in Juventus and they say, okay, this... This didn't work out for him. Um, in the second season, he did actually quite well in his first season there. But that that transfer, that is a title-winning transfer for me, potentially. Because 
he comes in and he has such a winning attitude. And I saw what Jurgen Klopp said to him about him today. I mean, that's spot on. He will fit. He will fit that club like a warm glove. Um, it's just, it's just an incredibly good transfer. And it's a transfer that, in my opinion, also has Matthias Sommer's handwriting all over. The fact that, you know, Matthias Sommer is doing the consulting at Dortmund. I think during this transfer window, you really noticed that, that his handwriting is coming through because they went out and signed a striker that guarantees them goals. And I think with Emre Schaan, they, they, they signed another player like Mats Hummels, who is going to guarantee them wins. Um, he is going to secure that back line 100%. He's going to make them a watertight ship. And he is coming in with an enormous winning mentality that will be just will be key for them and to get him on the steal is um, incredible we we followed the story on transfermarkt quite a bit and the fact that Dortmund are not even paying anything to for him until the summer so they they signed him on a loan deal and they're paying uh, between 25 and 30 million euros in the summer and at one point this deal seemed to fall apart and it almost looked like that this information was perhaps leaked by Dortmund because again the transfer the, the contract negotiations weren't quite going their well their way and you know within a couple hours that was cleared up and that just showed me he really wants to be there and I think him going there wanting to be there playing Champions League playing Bundesliga and I wanting to win the title I think that's that speaks volumes for him but it also speaks volumes for Dortmund that they went out and got him. Well, this is it, you know, just shoring up that defence is going to be a massive step for Dortmund. Um, it, obviously, it wasn't a problem over the weekend, but um, since returning from the winter break, they've scored 15 goals, which is phenomenal. They've conceded four, and you can imagine that that's only going to be um, a number that's going to decrease as time goes on. Uh, things are looking very bright for them. Uh, one very final question, Chris. Um, Manu mentioned them as uh, potential uh, title contenders or title winners do you think with these additions of Haaland and Emre Can do you think uh, with us talking about you know Borussia Mönchengladbach Bayern Munich obviously and RB Leipzig do you think we really need to take uh, Borussia Dortmund seriously now oh most definitely I mean I've seen Haaland um, up close when he played for Salzburg I've obviously seen him in his first match at home um, against Cologne the other week Uh, he's just a joy to watch and he is I think he's a bigger addition than what Aubameyang was. Um, he looks like he's more hungry, he's more youthful, um, he's got more ability in him, I think, than Aubameyang does, especially outside the box as well. Um, it's it's a quality signing, and yeah, I think Dortmund are very much in a title race. As a Gladbach, um, I think we've got a stunning title race. We, I think we were looking at two the other week. Since we've come back from the winter break, we're now looking at four clubs who are um, all within one win of being top of the table. It's getting really interesting. I had said uh, just one last thing, but I just can't resist this question. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think very well done uh, for Jim Sancho. Obviously, he's been exceptional this season. But, um, guys, I'm going to put the question to both of you, even myself. Um, Manu, how many goals is Hanlon going to score by the end of the season? There's 14 games left. He's uh, on two point something at the moment. Oh, wow. Um, so, so you're saying about 40 <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he'll get 25 across all competitions hey I only want Bundesliga come on <laughs> I, I think he's going to get close to 20 Chris 
I'm going to say 20 on the nose. I mean, that's unreal. That's an unreal number in a, in a half season. But it's, I mean, both Lewandowski and Werner were close to that number. And yeah, he's, he can't really see him slow down. So I think 20 is probably a good number. Yeah, I'll, I'll say 18 then. Just, just to kind of, in case he does slow down, which is still ridiculous. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, let's talk about uh, Bayern Munich. Um, the Bayern seem to have really got back to full swing. The champions looking very impressive at the moment, and yes, they've went to the back to the top of the table. Um, Chris, we we need to just um, talk about you know how they've. They've managed to turn it on once again. Other teams um, were impressing, like RB Leipzig and Gladbach, and now Dortmund uh, back uh, impressing also. But it just seems like you know Bayern just managed to do it over and over again. They've got that consistency and that winning mentality to them. And at the weekend, we we didn't really see them uh, struggle once again. No, we didn't see them struggle at all. Um, yeah, they've come out of the winter break a different side. Um, I think we all at the time thought that Niko Kovac was a good coach. Um, I still think he is a good coach. I think we all thought he was in, you know, he was a square peg in a round hole. And I think we've seen that now since Hansi Flick's come in. Um, Bayern have returned to Bayern. Uh, they had a little stumble now and again, but coming out of that winter break, uh, they're looking the real deal. Um, sound like a broken record, but yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to see them two, three weeks ago. I think it's two weeks ago now. Um, they were excellent, really, really good. Once they turned on the style, once they shook off that um, the bit of lethargicness they had from the winter break, once they got going, that they were devastating. And that's only continued in. Um, and Mainz are just the latest side to get a volley of goals put past them. Um, yeah, very, very good. The only thing, the only downside on this, I would think, would be um, conceding a goal. But if you're going to win, um, if you're going to win 3-1, it's not really a problem. They haven't got a problem scoring goals at the moment, which they did have earlier on the season, as well as leaking them. But if you can go 3-0 up after, what was it? I mean, it was midway through the first half, wasn't it? Around about 20, they were 3-0 up just before the half-hour mark. And to to leak one back just on half-time, probably a little bit disappointed for them, but don't take anything away. Um, Bayern are playing phenomenal football at the moment. Um, And Flick just got them going. If you look at what he's done, he hasn't made that many changes. He's... If you look at the team at his disposal, it's pretty much the same um, as the one that um, Niko Kovac had, um, and and the team are a lot lot better under his stewardship. So yeah, it's looking good for Bayern at the moment, coming into form right at the right time. Chelsea around the corner, who I think they will um, put to the sword quite easily over two legs, um, and then how far can they get in the in the Champions League? Because that is the question. Um, that they want answering. They they need to win that Champions League soon. Um, even though they've won the title seven years on the trot, I don't think it will. It won't be diminished, but it certainly won't look as good with it without a Champions League sitting next to it. And maybe even forgo the league this year. Maybe let someone else have a go and just get that Champions League and then go again the season after. Yeah, things are definitely looking good for Bayern. Uh, Manu, if, if we just go to you uh, on this uh, to talk a little bit about. Uh, the transfers. I mean, we didn't see uh, Bayern active at all. Um, it, is that maybe going to come back to bite them in the ass? I mean, or 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 they got enough quality anyway, and it, it's not too much of a problem. I mean, I'm saying this: they've won at the weekend, they're top of the league again. But you know, it, it, is there any possible um, cause for concern? Maybe if they pick up any injuries. 
Yeah, I think that they have maybe not done enough because even though players are coming back from injury, these these players, Bayern have an issue that a lot of the players that they have currently on their squad are very injury prone. And I think that if you are want to be competitive in three competitions, keep in mind that the German Cup is this week. And then, um, of course, they're playing Leipzig on, on Sunday. Champions League is coming back and they're facing Chelsea. It's, it's going to be a big test for them. And um, to having players come in and out of injuries, you know, that's that's a tricky one. And when you look at that Leipzig signed Danny Olmo, um, a player who I think probably was very much on Bayern's radar and is one of those rare players because you don't really get big signings in the winter, right? That That is a difficulty, especially if you're a big club. To get the right signing done in the winter is very hard. And uh, Danny Olmo is one of them. And the fact that Erling Haaland went to Dortmund, and I think that, yeah, um, Haaland is another one that Bayern very much had on the radar and... I think Haaland just didn't feel like wanting to sit on the bench behind Lewandowski, which I can't blame him for. And I think that maybe they haven't gone quite enough. As for the game on the weekend, I, here's, here's a thought, and this is maybe one that can be discussed a little bit. Um, when I did the preview on this match for Fußballstadt, one sentence from Achim Bayerlotzer, the Mainz head coach, struck out to me. And I haven't seen this one in a while, but he called this a bonus game, um, a game where... If you win that's great that's fantastic if you lose it's not the end of the world and i i i personally feel like i personally wish managers wouldn't go into a game or would be public about this yes playing against bayern is difficult but if there is a season where you can beat them this is the one and to hear coaches basically writing off this game before it even was played is a little bit discouraging because i don't think you will hear the same when these same very same coaches take on um leipzig Dortmund or um, Gladbach in the title race, and I, I don't know if this is this is something that you want to hear. It's not doesn't speak speak well for the competitiveness of the league. No, it doesn't for me. Um, I thought we I thought we pretty much got past that to be honest. And a lot of teams have played Bayern at their own game in the Allianz. If I can think back to Fortuna Düsseldorf, had a great display there. Um, Hertha Berlin even managed to to throw away a victory late on in that game. Um, Bayern have been there for the taking. I, I do understand that when they're in top gear, they're pretty hard to live with. But if you don't allow them to get into that top gear and you harass and you trouble them, teams have had a lot of success. So for for managers to say, "Oh, well, we, you know, maybe we'll just write this one off," and you're quite right. Are they going to write their game off against Dortmund? Probably not. So why write the one off against Bayern? Um, just as a side, Bryce, I did. Um, I've done a couple of gradings for the International Champions Cup on transfer gradings for clubs at the top or the big six in England and the big two in Germany. And I came out with, with a C for Bayern as a grading from A to D. I think they've played the odds um, on bringing in who they have brought in. It's a little bit of a defensive cover. But if they if they don't get lucky with injuries and with players coming back, um, I, I think they could be in trouble come the run-in. Um, if they manage to keep the squad fit, I think they've done well. But it only needs a couple of key injuries or some of those players not to come back, Zula, etc. Um, you know, I know Hernandez is back in training and, and the like. But if if there's something happens to them, they just brought in a defensive cover on loan, um, it could get a little bit uncomfortable for them with three teams around them pushing really hard. And then there's this the story about Leroy Sané that we had emerge um this week, right, Chris, that he was reportedly very unhappy that Bayern didn't push for him to to join this January. Because they think, okay, well, we we don't believe he's 
maybe not fit enough. It's not going to be fit enough until halfway through the the, the Rückrunde. Um, but he's not taking very well to that. And I, I feel that if Bayern, Bayern have been so outspoken in the past about making a move and even just the day that, that story about Leroy Sané having doubts um, about a possible transfer because of the lack of uh, movement by Bayern in January. Rummenigge went on uh, the Tageszeitung in Munich and uh, sort of outlined the transfer strategy of bringing in Sané. And it's something that we've seen last win window too with um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, where everyone thought, okay, well, they're going to get their man. In um, the Sané story, we all thought if he hadn't torn his ACL, that transfer would have been done, right? But it just almost seems like they're miscalculating a little bit when it comes to certain transfers. Yeah, most definitely. And when this article, I think the Dortmund one's out now, um, Monday night as we record this, the Bayern one will be out within the next 24 hours. It's been written. It's just awaiting editorial um, approval and uploading. It's in there about that, um, about how they haven't made that offer for Sane and how Bild reported he wasn't particularly happy, but also how they rule themselves out of Timo Werner, a player that they were looked like they were going to sign in the summer, but wanted to go after Leroy Sane. They rule themselves out of that. Um <laughs> We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, Hassan Samahaladic saying that Timo's a good player, had an excellent first half of the season. However, we have Robert Lewandowski and Robert's a striker who fits our style of play perfectly. I mean, they've ruled themselves out of two big moves in the winter window. Um, Werner, I don't think, will go to Bayern now, full stop. And Leroy Sane, if he has been angered, I mean, what's to say he just doesn't renegotiate a contract with Manchester City, who at the moment are way off the pace in England, but... They won all four tro or they won all three trophies on offer in England last year. So maybe their hunger's not there this season as much, but next season it certainly will. And and Leroy Sonne's a quality winger. I'm pretty sure Manchester City would like to keep hold of him. And you know, Bayern could have helped them do that by um by disengaging the player in the winter market because he is back in full training now. But he could have done that full training in Bayern. He could have done that full training in Munich, no problem whatsoever. Well, he's already works with the team doctor, anyways, because of the because of the national team link. So, no, I, I'm I'm with you. I, the Timo Werner one. I mean, we're going to talk about Leipzig next, anyways. Is a big one for me. You, you see some of the comments that Werner made in the in the kicker interview. I'm saying they asked him, "Oh, could you could you see yourself playing with Lewandowski?" And then he said, "Well, two players that have scored 
uh, in the region of 20 goals at this point of the season can always play together. So there's definitely, that was a definitely a little bit of a hint saying like, look, if they have had come in for me, I would have, I would have gone for it. Right. Um, it is definitely one. I'm curious to read the article when it's finished, Chris, because I definitely, I'm definitely 100% in agreement with you. I think the um, transfer strategy has been very wibbly waffly um, in the last. It, it's now three windows. I mean, last Christmas, the, the last winter window was almost embarrassing with with the whole Callum Hudson Hudson Odoi saga. Um, and then in the summer with all these big names that were supposed to come in and then in the end it's a loan deal for Coutinho this winter it's a loan deal for a right back from Real Madrid I mean it's just not very convincing in my opinion well we'll just have to see if their lack of transfer business um, you know, and their professionalism over um, affects them going forward but at the moment yes they're sitting top of the table we're going to talk about second place RB Leipzig um, Chris um, RB Leipzig had obviously a, the game of the weekend really against uh, Gladbach it didn't exactly go all their way did it they were 2-0 down at half time but they did manage to salvage it 2-2 and get a point out of it um, did you enjoy this game Yes, of course. I have no vested interest in either of these teams apart from wanting to watch a, a good game of football and I think that's what they've got. I think what Marco Rose's Gladbach did was highlight some weakness areas um, for Leipzig and, and I think maybe Leipzig were, were a little lucky from some refereeing decisions but I think that's what champions do. They, they pull back a point when none look to be on offer um, and that is a really big point for them, by the way. Uh, because had they not taken that point, um, Gladbach would be two better off, which would would have put them above Leipzig. So it's a massive result in this title race that we're having. Um, so yeah, I did enjoy it. I think it showed showed equally the strengths and weaknesses of both sides. Um, but I think it's a really important um, point, Bryce, a point for each side, Bryce, because this coming match day, um, obviously Gladbach have got a really big derby against Cologne. Um, which I'll be at. Dortmund are playing Leverkusen, which I'll also be at. Um, and Bayern have got a massive match against RB Leipzig, which Manu will be at. So there's three really big games in the title race this se- uh, this coming weekend. Um, and we're going to be um, at all of them. So yeah, so watch out for that. But I think that the results on the last match day were key um, for what's going to come in the next, well, the next few days. Yeah, that's it. A very, very much a game of two halves, wasn't it? You know, with Gladbach looking very impressive in the opening stages, first half completely one-sided, and then the second half completely one-sided in the other way. And as Chris mentioned, player getting sent off for uh, well, two yellow cards for arguing with the referee, um, which definitely um, helps out Nagelsmann and his guys um, late on, uh, but. Manu, we, we need to talk about um, the coming weekend. As Chris said, you know, vital games as well. And we see Bayern Munich taking on RB Leipzig. Um, you know, first taking on second. That's going to be a hell of a game, uh, isn't it? And, and a real six-pointer, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, really looking really looking forward to it. Um, got the the accreditations sorted for it today. So um, there, will be, there will be a lot of coverage coming from this match. But I, I think it's... It's going to be interesting to see whether Leipzig 
can get something in the Allianz Arena because I've seen a couple of big clubs, you know, even against the Bayern side that aren't at their very best um, at times this season, really see them falter. I was there for the Klassiker against Dortmund, right? And Dortmund just um, fell apart. And then on the other hand, I was there for the, the game against Hoffenheim, where, where Hoffenheim took all three points. So it, Bayern are beatable in that stadium. And, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether Nagelsmann can pull out some sort of stunt to get points there. And I think that's key. I think even one point in, in the Allianz Arena would, would be very, very significant in this title race. Because as Chris said, um, Dortmund, I think Dortmund, I'm pretty convinced Dortmund will take all three points and that will get them very close uh, to first place. The, the, the table is just so tight at the moment. In Dortmund win this, um, they potentially go even on points, right? Um, with Leipzig and Bayern, so they will be 4 2 2 2. Also depends on, of course, what Gladbach do, but it's, it's, it has the potential of all teams being actually even on points next match day, which is, which is just unbelievable is what we want to see um as for as for leipzig ah, this this game against gladbach it almost it's it's once again and chris we have spoken so many times about this i think that nagelsmann he really he sometimes gets his tactic just a little wrong in in the first half of a match and then is able to adjust and sometimes repair the damage but i i think for him, if they want to win the title, he, I know there's been a lot of criticism about the players, about them flying in a hairdresser from England, I believe, and all that kind of stuff. But for I think he also needs to just get his tactics sorted or straight away from, from the get-go. And I guess it's inspiring. That will be key. Yeah, it will, most definitely. Actually, today I did um, a Q&A for um, Monday Hour magazine on Julian Nagelsmann about his strengths and weaknesses. And I talked to them about how I thought his his strengths were sometimes his weaknesses. I think his strengths is his age. He's 32. I think that sometimes can be his weakness. Um, He was a little naive at times at Hoffenheim. I've not seen that so much um, at Leipzig since he moved. I think he's grown a lot as a coach since he's moved. Um, The way he likes to play football, I think, has changed a little bit. His style, he can either go back three or back four at Leipzig. But one thing he is very good at, and this is one thing Tyler Adams spoke of when I spoke to him a couple of weeks back, was getting the message over to the players quickly in the right format in order for them to change that. And if you look at the game that Tyler Adams was speaking about at the time was against Union Berlin, where they were 1-0 down, playing pretty poorly for half an hour and then very well for 15 minutes. Nagelsmann spoke very calmly to them in the dressing room, told them exactly where the problems were, exactly what needed to be done, who needed to move, who needed to play the ball when, where it needed to go, really talked to the players. And within 15 minutes, the score had flipped to 2-1, and Leipzig eventually go on and win that 3-1. So um, he can do that. And this is something that he had to do against Gladbach. He was down at home. He had to he had to, to tweak it. Now, I don't think he does it on the cuff. I think this is one of his strengths. He's able to read the game very quickly and change it. Um, but at some point against some teams, that will not be a problem. We saw that a few seasons ago at Hoffenheim, where he took a, a very naive approach at Liverpool and was absolutely destroyed. And by the time he could make a tactical change, they're 3-0 down and the game was over. Now, that's okay if you're going to do it at home against Gladbach and a player gets sent off, you can recuperate that damage. I think if he tries something naive in the Allianz arena, it could have a similar sort of line behind it. They could be 2-3-0 down before he's able to change it and be 2-3-0 down very quickly. We've seen what Bayern have done to Dortmund in quick succession. 
I'm sorry, Biner, Biner like a machine when they score. They were against Hertha. They get one, then they smell a second. Once they've got a second, the third, the fourth, the fifth follows very quickly. Um, Nagelsmann can't afford that. So he has to use all of his strengths, which is his technical approach to the game, his real, um, really good way that he uses technology, the, the massive wall that they've had, the big screens, this very interactive way of coaching. He has to ensure that it's all done correctly um, when they go to Bayern because... If it does get away from him, it will get away from him very quickly. And I wouldn't like to see that because I want to see a good close title race. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we always want to see, don't we? A close title race. And at the moment, you know, it's it's really looking like that could be the case. It's a very exciting time. So, um, yeah, I think um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see if RB can get some type of result this weekend away to Bayern Munich. Um, Guys, I think we've covered an awful lot today. Um, Manu, what have you got coming up this uh, coming week? Always loads, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, um, the the transfer window is now closed. I did a piece on um, Jaden Sancho for Forbes, so that's that's already on Forbes online. Um, then the, on Transfermarkt, you know, any kind of speculations that are coming up. Um, any stories emerging from from midweek from the DFB Pokal? Then um, I'm flying back on Friday to Germany. I will be at the the top spiel on Sunday, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, sure there will be plenty, but uh, you know all of that can be found on uh, transfermarkt.us and uh, Forbes. Um, so pretty much the usual stuff, Bryce. Yeah, very busy as always, and we look forward to having you back in Europe, back in Germany. Yeah, uh, Chris, you also said that you're going to be heading over to Germany this coming weekend. Have you got anything else that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Oh yeah, it's been uh, it's been a busy um, enter transfer window. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I've got um, eight pieces in total coming out on the uh, or coming out for the International Champions Cup on the the big six in England, the big two in Germany about how their transfer windows have gone. Then two overarching pieces on the Bundesliga and the Premier League about where the money was spent, who had a good transfer window, who didn't. Um, it's the start of the month, so I've got lots of things coming up for Forbes. Um, President of FIFA spoke today to Apes, who both Manu and I are members of. Um, so there's a good transcript that I want to get into for Forbes on that. Um, so yeah, it's very busy at the moment. And obviously I'm at the match next weekend, or the matches next weekend, Leverkusen hosting Dortmund and uh, that uh, Gladbach Cologne Derby, which I'm really looking forward to going. That's obviously for uh, fushballstat.com. That's it. As Chris mentioned, we've got some very exciting games coming up next week that the guys will be attending too. So the late kickoff game on Saturday, definitely tune in if you can to watch Bayer Leverkusen take on Borussia Dortmund. You know, third versus fifth there. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, third versus fifth. And then we've got uh, on Sunday, Bruce and Munch and Gladbach will be taking on Cologne, which Chris will be at. And then the final game of the weekend, we'll see Bayern Munich in first, taking on RB Leipzig in second. Very exciting time. So, um, yeah, that more or less does it for this week. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And until then, I'll feed us in. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. 
Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.